Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. We're, this is on a Thursday afternoon. It's sun shining, nice. It's too, it's dry. Well, all the cotton farmers say it's just, just right dry and everybody else is through with corn and beans. It's, Say so they keep tearing stuff up. They need a rain so they can do field work. What are y'all here? We're, Kylie, you're in, you're in Concordia. You're actually with me down here in Concordia. R.L., where are you at today? I'm in Madison. Oh, we can, we don't have an office in East Carroll no more. Oh, yeah, I heard funny. about that. <laughs> the car hit it. Car hit it. Shifted it on the blocks. I don't want to know where that car or how fast that car was going to jump that ditch and hit that building. And ran that stop sign, because isn't there a stop sign on the corner? It's a four-way stop there. <laughs> I was up there with you last week. I see how it happened. We almost had a wreck right there, remember? <laughs> we were going that fast. No, we were sitting still. It was other lady. <laughs> well, That's another story for another day. That right. You may want to put that out. <laughs> Let's don't talk about driving. Y'all were on company time. Let's don't talk about driving records. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's uh, – well, you're in Tallulah, so, so – See, I mean, as far as the Lake Providence, are y'all out of the building or y'all, where are y'all? Yes, they are out of the building. I've not been up there. I believe Donna told me they were across the street in the health unit auditorium. They have internet service, but they're working off cell phones. Okay. Well, they're still open, though. We're still. Oh, yes. Still doing business. Well, there was some some, some questions whether or not structurally whether the building would was going to be usable let's put it that way mm-hmm. okay. okay well all right um hmm well let's talk about harvest well harvest as far as tensile corn's done little some got some rice left uh should start cutting it next week probably if not this beans are winding down uh, some late beans are still out there, but most of the beans are winding out. Cotton's probably half through. What do y'all hear from the others? That's the same story here. And, um, you know, beans are starting to wind down, starting to pick cotton. Um, I guess they've started, been picking cotton for probably about two weeks or so now. And um, yields sound like they're pretty good this year. Maybe not outstanding, but fair. So... I'm excited about that. Yeah. Pretty much same scenario here. Uh, talking to some guys across the week, and nothing don't happen. By Saturday night, we'll have all the beans cut. Yeah. Okay. And we push, you know, when you say that, somebody's going to say, I got a 40 over here. But for all practical purposes, beans will be through by the weekend. Uh, cotton, we really just got started this week picking cotton. Mm-hmm. Big time. We had a few little bit here and there. Uh, again, hearing good yields, good reports. Uh, not like y'all had, Dennis. Uh, yeah. Field work. <laughs> Talked to one guy yesterday. He said after last year, the tractors are following the combines in the field, and he's afraid that if the combine was to break down real quick, their tractor would run up in the rear end of the combine before he could stop <laughs> They were that close. Yeah. 
Well, uh, you know, they got burned last year. They got burned last year. <laughs> and they're not they're not taking any chances. But Beans well, well. don't sound good, though. Everything I'm hearing there is we're off 20 bushels. Um, we've had some good bean yields, had some weak ones. Uh, but if, some of the guys say, you know, I thought those were 80 bushel beans and they cut in the mid-60s. Which is still good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's still good. Oh yeah. But it, they were disappointed. So it's just like the cotton. The cotton, what you think is twelve hundred pounds, is a thousand pounds. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll just finish up. But I'm hearing pretty consistent between East Carroll and Madison both that beans sixty is pretty much. You know, you got a few fields that'll go over that, but sixty is pretty consistent and down sixty and below. Yeah. 40s is not uncommon. Yeah, well, well. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Because, well, one field I know, I'm not guessing. I'm pretty sure what happened there. They were filling pods at the time. We had that two weeks or so that was extremely hot, dry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just don't, I think the plants started giving up. Uh, and just even though irrigation and all that, they just they just they couldn't fill the pods. The beans are there, but they're small. Well, I had a grower tell me yesterday morning. He said the beans are small. And to me, that's lack of water. My first thought, anyway. That's your first thought, but I don't know because these were irrigated. They were irrigated one time, and what? Not really sure if they need to be irrigated then. They got enough rain or what we thought was a consistent, steady range, you know, and so I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, and the price is just terrible. So it's, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is one for the books. Everybody wants to close the book on this year and mm -hmm. go to the next year. Yeah. The guys in Catahoula, I talked to somebody over there and they were pretty excited about their being yields. So, but around here, kind of hearing that, you know, 10 bushels off, from what they normally would expect. Mm -hmm. so. Well, I cut the uh, Catahoula soybean variety trial Friday before last, and those bean yields were, the winter was 75, and um, I mean, a bunch of them were up in the high 60s, so they, it was it was good. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, he was, the farmer over there, he was tickled pink with them. Uh, yeah. You know, they, uh, he was wanting to know which one, he's trying to figure which one he's going to plant next year, you know? <laughs> Uh, but uh yeah that's uh but will got through he's all through isn't he kyle he, oh yeah he's done he's making up projects now if it don't ever rain we're gonna we're gonna spend all our money so well, have money, at least have money to spend production coming along here now i guess i hope i don't know it ain't worth nothing so <laughs> you know, i guess I mean, it needs to rain so he'll slow down <laughs> <laughs> recreational tillage that's right <laughs> but he's he's working on dirt bucket stuff this week so uh, that's yeah. a, well for dry weather that's a good thing isn't yeah it? it is he's been lucky with that so he's he's glad to have that no rain in the forecast so talking about dirt buckets i went by a field yesterday yesterday that uh i believe there was six of those big four-wheel drive stigers out there mm -hmm. pulling dirt buckets. 
they almost had to have traffic control out there to keep from running over one another in the dust. No, I wouldn't doubt it. Oh, yeah. I don't see how they didn't run into one another. Yeah, it's uh, it's good, though. I mean, it's driving, get this land, get some land leveled, and uh, get ready to start again next year. But then yeah. they're going to have to subsoil it hard as it's going to be, you know, unless it's going in rice. That's the subsoil. Again. No, this would be too sandy for rice. Oh, okay. Or two. Yeah, it, 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 I don't think that'd be able to hold water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, um, all right. Well, that pretty, is that anything else going on as far as the harvest or field work? You got anything we need to come up with? Uh, anybody? All right. Well, let's go. Ariel, won't you tell us about the meeting you went to the other day on the pesticide pickup program? Oh, okay. Uh, yes, last week, I believe it was, uh, you know, this unwanted old chemicals that everybody's got sitting around in their sheds, and we've been asking for a pickup for years. I know I've been for 12 years that I've been in Madison Parish asking for it, and it's finally coming about. Uh, it's scheduled to happen the week of. December the 9th through the 13th. And the reason we're putting multiple days in there, it's going to depend on how much chemicals out there and where it's at. There okay. could be one location or there could be multiple locations for pickups. Uh, in fact, I've actually talked with a guy with the Department of Ag will be on the Twitter, I mean, on the uh, podcast with a, later on in the, before this happens. Uh, but you should be getting, or our viewers should be getting notice from their agents. Of November the 4th, we've got to have a completed inventory turned in to Kim Pope, or Kim Brown, excuse me, uh, for this. And the reason this is, and it's got to be a pretty complete inventory, because if there are some chemicals that'll have to be repacked, especially if it's in, a, say, like a 30-gallon drum or some of the old 55-gallon drums, and they look like they're leaking or maybe fixed to go to leaking, they have those repacks for them, and they will be furnished free of charge. And when we left that meeting, those uh, overpacks, not repacks, overpacks is what they're called, and they are supposed to be available about the middle of November. Uh, and they will be available at the extension office that you can pick them up there. Or if you can kind of, if you got a good county agent, he might would bring them to you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where any of those are anymore. But anyway, uh, but right now it's December the the ninth or the week of December the ninth, but remember November fourth or prior to November fourth, you got to have a, a a pretty detailed inventory in. And all this is is to know for the people that are picking this stuff up to know what they've got, what they're dealing with. They don't need, like the man said, they'll be walking around in those white suits with respirators on, and they don't need to be trying to ask you a bunch of questions about what you got and filling out paperwork there because they've got to test it and know how, what they can mix and what they can't mix what's in you know liquids what liquids can be mixed together for transportation uh 
and and all that kind of stuff. So it's not a Joe Ball with a dump truck gonna be like picking this stuff up. It's it's gonna be a reputable deal. Okay. And it's free of charge. And also the plans are is for the it to be this year or this first one in northeast Louisiana. Uh still trying to nail down a location. But the plans are is to have multiples locate or multiple dates in the coming future. Northeast Louisiana this year, let's say South Louisiana, Southeast, Southwest Louisiana, and then get on a revolving schedule yearly of doing this so we won't get behind. It's a good thing and we need to take care of it. And this inventory, guys, is nothing, it goes nowhere. It's strictly for that company to be able to know what they're what to be prepared for and how much to be prepared for. You know, they don't want to show up ready to pick up a you know, 10,000 pounds of chemicals and you sh- and we come up with 150,000 pounds, you know. Yeah. They want to have enough equipment and manpower there to handle it. One other thing I'll say, uh, let me, we're going to lead into Kylie uh, talking to James Hendricks. It's time to plant cover crops. I know it's too dry, you know, it is, but it's time to do it because if you don't, you're going to end up out there trying to do them when it's too wet, and then you're not going to get them planted. So Kylie called uh, James Hendricks today. Just, I guess it's right after dinner, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. And um, they talked a little while about planting cover crops and some different things. So uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Kylie, you want to you just get started or you want to say something before, we get, before, you get, before you get started with the interview? <laughs> Uh, no, well, I mean, James and I just discussed, you know, what are some of the considerations that, you know, you need stuff you need to be thinking about and making plans and figuring out the goals, the goal of what you're trying to accomplish whenever you plant cover crops. So we, we really appreciated having him on the program today. Welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. I'm Kylie Miller, and I'm glad to have you all here with us today. Today's special guest is Mr. James Hendricks. Um, Mr. James, what is your title to be exact? I don't know what it is. Are you a are you an area environmental agent or what is your title? Well, actually, I guess you could call me an area agent. Uh, I work with the Louisiana Master Farmer Program, and I'm also the conservation agronomist for the Northeast Region. Okay. Well, um, we're glad to have you on today's episode. And uh, today, let's talk about cover crops. Um, it's time to start getting planting them. And uh, what are some of the considerations we need to be thinking about before we plant? Well, um, I guess some of the, the most important thing I would uh, I would consider is is the objective of the producer and what they're expecting out of a cover crop. Um, a lot of times, you know, uh, producers will decide maybe to plant a cover crop because maybe their neighbor is and or whatever. But uh, cover crops are basically, they should be considered a tool. And basically, they're just a tool that a producer has available to them that can, uh, you know, can help them with some issues that they've identified on their farms. But um, then again, don't expect them to solve all the problems. So as long as they're used as a tool, they can be very effective, uh, but they also have to be managed, just like a cash crop. And so there's got to be planning involved, uh, and there's got to be 
some considerations as far as, you know, uh, how they're going to go about handling these cover crops throughout mm-hmm. the year. Okay. Well, what are some of the things you can, I guess, or that y'all have seen that you can correct with cover crops? Well, there's no doubt that erosion control is one of the top ones in Louisiana. I mean, a lot of producers have issues, especially with some of these upland soils, highly erodible soils, and um, uh, they're good erosion course tools. But the thing is, is that you got to select the right species to be able to do this. The other thing is, is that they they're good scavengers of nutrients. If a person is has produced a crop such as corn or cotton. Even soybeans, uh, the residue that's left in the field has up to 100 pounds of nitrogen in a lot of cases and other nutrients available. And they're good scavengers of the nutrients that can carry them over until the following year and keep them on top of the ground rather than like nitrogen and potassium and actually leaching through the soil profile. Uh, some other things is, is coarse organic matter. We always want to increase organic matter and increase microbial populations in the soil. And as long as you've got something growing in the soil, you know, they are good from that standpoint. Once you terminate them, you're increasing the carbon content uh, of the soil. So as far as organic matter, you can increase your organic matter. Uh, other things, weed suppression, uh, they're not, they're not going to eradicate weeds, but a lot of these uh, cover crops are, have elitopathic uh, uh, characteristics. And uh, if planted correctly and at the right rates and everything, they can help suppress some of the weed pressures, and we've actually seen that in a lot of the, uh, the crops that have been grown behind. Of course, there's always nitrogen. Uh, people that plant legumes want, you know, to increase their nitrogen content of the soil for the following crop and whatnot. Uh, they need to understand, of course, that legumes are going to utilize the nitrogen in, that are in the soil already, that's already there in the soil, before they're going to start producing their own nitrogen, and that's going to be in the biomass form, so it's important you know, to maximize that is you want to get to reproductive stage before you terminate them. And that's when, of course, it bloom up to full bloom, but most of the time right before full bloom. Okay. Well, you know, you just talked about, you know, weed control a little bit. And, you know, a lot of the issues, I guess, in the wintertime would be ryegrass. I mean, is cover crops, is that something that's going to help you with your ryegrass problem? Well, like I say, it's all based on competition. Okay. And the thing is, is that once you harvest a crop, if you have a ryegrass issue, and I guess this, this actual question would be best suited to one of our, our weed scientists, but working with them, we have seen where we've gone in with some cereals and, and some of the brassicas, and if you go in at the right rate and you get them up and growing quickly and the comp- they have competition, that we do see a reduction in those, and we see reduction in a lot of other weeds also. But like I say, that's not that's planting at specific rates that are generally a little bit higher, so that you can get them up fast and get them competing. So you know you got to take into account, uh, I guess, the way some of these these cover crops that we plant grow. I mm-hmm. mean, there's some of them that actually will germinate earlier and come up. So that's the reason that you've seen some of these people come in with mixes, like if they're using wheat, oats. Oaks generally germinate a little bit earlier than wheat, so they'll come up and compete a little bit faster. And, uh, of course, both of the oaks are very easy to terminate. We've had some minor issues with wheat term- termination or some major in some areas. Not sure at that point, but the researchers are working on that. It could be the timing. It could be the temperature. It could be a, a number of other factors. Okay. Um, you know, just thinking about it, what, you know, what type of seeds do y'all, um, or, or crops, do you like to see planted? Is there a specific, I guess, goal in mind when you're choosing, making those decisions to, to choose what seeds to plant? Well, 
definitely. Um, generally, you know, if you're planning on planting some, a crop such as um, uh, milo or corn or cotton or those those uh, plants are, that are going to require high amounts of nitrogen, if a person wants to go in and plant a cover crop, a lot of the times, especially with, with cotton and milo and those type things that are or, or planted a little bit later, mm-hmm. you can get the full benefit of some legumes to add more nitrogen to the soil to kind of offset that. And sometimes, you know, it can help you alleviate the issue of having to put down pre-plant herbicide, pre-plant uh, 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 fertilizers. But now, uh, of course, corn we plant mighty early, and so yeah. the important thing there is to get the cover crops planted early in front of it if you're going to plant some legumes because the termination is going to be a lot earlier, so you're trying to, to push the cover crop, especially if it's a legume, so that when termination's about, then you're close to that blooming stage or at least at a point to where that plant has produced you know, nitrogen that's sufficient that, um, that it's going to assist with your crop. Most of the times, in all cases, we do a mix of a, some type of a cereal and legume and sometimes add in that with a brassica. Brassicas are very good scavengers, just like our cereals are. And so a lot of cases, like with corn, if we go with a high legume crop, we may go with like a uh, 80-20 or a or 70-30 legume with a cereal there, too. Of course, the cereal is going to help from the standpoint of biomass, and they're going to help with some of the lethopathic issues as far as for competition. But it's also going to increase carbon, a lot more carbon in the soil than legumes will. And so when we plant those, of course, the, the, the nitrogen that's produced by the legumes is going to help break down the cereal rye or wheat or oats or whatever it may be so that you're going to get a more of a carbon content in the soil, plus you're going to get the benefits of some additional nitrogen. Okay. Um, you know, if, if you're a farmer listening and you've never planted a cover crop before, you know, and you don't own a drill, um, what's, what's the easiest way to get started? I mean, if you want to start small you know are you going to be able to see a benefit of this of from using planting cover crops after a year you know will it pay for itself what if what is what are some of the things y'all seen i think you know when you think cover crop you're looking at a more of a long-term type program okay you know i wouldn't expect the world that the first year you plant it there's going to be a lot of mistakes made a lot of times talking to your local county agent or some of the specialists we have with the lsu accent is going to be a great benefit and how to get started because they know uh you know, they know a lot of the background of the producer that's there, the type of equipment they have, you know, and what uh, what resources, other resources they may have on their farm that can, you know, assist in making it a lot easier to grow these cover crops. Uh, the equipment that you have is very important. There's no doubt about that. And like I say, a management strategy has to be put together, and it's more of a, uh, a site-specific type of a, uh, of a, of a production program. Uh, when people call us about, you know, growing cover crops, in other words, what I would grow on one farm may be different than the farm just adjacent to it. And, you know, some people may question that, but the thing is is that each farmer has a different management strategy. They grow different crops, they have different equipment, and so they're able to do different things. So what we try to do is tailor that using the county agents that we have, the specialists we have, to form a program or a cover crop pro- a cropping program that will benefit them on their specific farm, focused on their specific issues that they're trying to to assist with and not, you know, trying to just go out and plant something not knowing because it can come back. Some of these uh, cover crops that we plant, so 
some of the clovers like red and white clover. If we use them in a in program, you got to understand these are biennials and perennial crops, so they can come back and cause a weed issue. So you know it's very important to take into account that. Okay. Well, what of you know? What do you know about you know when you want to plant cover crops and you you hear about Equip or maybe CSPA offering some money for some of those you know projects? Do you know of any? that you can share with us about that? Oh, yeah. No doubt. Uh, of course, um, NRCS uh, offers EQIP, which is cost share, for uh, for growing cover crops. And there's a cost share program. In other words, if a producer wants to to uh, benefit from a cost share program, they can contact NRCS. They've got to remember that they have to follow the guidelines that NRCS has. In some instances, if you're farming on your own, then there are certain instances where we will probably recommend reduced seeding rates. And it's specific on basically what your issue is and what your objective is for that cover crop. But if you're in a uh, cost share program, whether it be CSP or with EQIA, which are cost share programs provided by the federal government, you have to follow their guidelines, their seeding rates, and all the rules and regulations. Okay. Well, Mr. James, I think we're out of time for today, and uh, we appreciate you joining us today and sharing that information with us. Well, I hope I helped, and I appreciate you calling me. All right. Thank you. All right. That's great, Kylie. That was good. I mean, James, if you can say one thing about James. Now, he, he knows what he's talking about, and he, he tells it good. And, he, and he's energetic about – I mean, he's passionate about what he talks about it, too. He is. He is. He is. And, and – um, I called him. I had a grower uh, yesterday morning. I think it was. Uh, he's got this is on. This is an odd situation. They got a field with a pivot in it, cotton field. Pivot's been there for years and years. The yield now they did not run the pivot. The yield under the pivot was a bale less than outside the pivot. The, the initial testing, what they think is is going to be magnesium it's going to be salt is what it's going to be okay I mean, my first and, uh, guess would be testing the water yeah they go they were going to pull uh testing from that well there's he's got uh, i think he's got he's got some more wells on that place and i don't think they're showing up to well two of them are showing up the same one of them's not they're going to pull some samples from the wells uh and james hinted this guy told james about it and james said they need to pull a soil sample from under the pivot and one from outside the pivot and they do some kind of soil test called a flood test on the one that's underneath the pivot and it will tell them the how long it's been doing this or the progressive progression rate of of whatever's affecting it so uh, but everything they're describing the growers describing and what james it was going to end up being salt and these are old old wells and it's been going on it's just taking a long time to get to here so wow this intense up it's in Tinsau. And yeah. only as far as I know, we only ever had one real salty well in Tinsau. Yeah. Out, on, out by Tinsau River. And I think they hit that one of those salt domes coming underneath from Franklin Parish. Yeah, I think so. Now, there, there's a lot of those in Franklin. And we got we got more you want to think about here in Madison Parish, too. Well, Concordia's got some, too. Told, told me that it was so salty, shrimp couldn't live in. That's pretty salty. <laughs> well, I know. Now I know. I tasted the one in in uh, Tenzong, and because James had his little meter, we went out there and he stuck that meter in, and it immediately said error. Mm. <laughs> and I I took a handful and tasted it. It tastes like seawater. It's salty. Oh yeah, I've done that. 
And Kylie, you got a list of events coming up. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the uh, the hemp meeting first. Um, let's see, what date is that? It's going to be November 13th uh, in Alexandria. Um, there's a $25 registration fee. And if you reach out to one of us, if you haven't gotten the emails yet, um, or you can register, and that's going to include lunch, your lunch and refreshments. Also, they're looking for exhibitors to pre-register if you want to have, a, I assume, a table. Um, and you can, there'd be information about that in the email, but, um, it says the program will feature remarks by representative Clay, oh, how do you say his last name? Sheck Snyder? Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah. All right. Exhibitors, processor, introductions, uh, invited speakers and presentations by economic potentials of industrial hemp in Louisiana. So they'll have a panel discussion, and I assume the Department of Ag will be there to share all the new information. Uh, let's see. The next one is our fall forum. If you're interested in coming to a horticulture meeting, we'll have the fall forum on October 23rd at Scott Center. Okay. Now, the hemp meeting is at Dean Lee and Alec, right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, this meeting has the potential to fill that front room up. It, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I've already sent it out once, and a couple of guys said, "Hey, be sure and remind me. I want to go. I'm I'm seriously looking at this stuff." Well, we got a grower in Catahoula who is already—I don't know if he signed a contract, but he has been offered a contract for ten acres. You know, it's all—it's all organic. So he's he's working on it. But I saw him again uh, a couple of days ago, and he was—he said there he was telling me all this. Looks like it's going to happen, and. And he's going to have some kind of production contract. Be interesting anything? to hear what they've got figured out and what you know what the plans are going to be for next year. So I don't know. I think I'm. I think that I think there'll be as more homeowners than producers. Uh, and and I think those homeowners are going to be drastically disappointed when they get there. Probably because I think in there, you know, all they're hearing is this humongous profit per acre, or humongous return per acre. Let me rephrase that. And they don't realize the hoops they got to jump through to get licensed and all that. And even if they got to have a license and then they don't, nobody really ever tells them the cost of the seed. They just tell them what they can return per acre, but they forget to tell them how much those seed are. I forgot now, but it's astronomical. They sell it by the seed. And I think I'd heard somewhere it's like 35 pounds per acre. Some, uh, some of them, this, this guy, the guy I talked to, his seed cost was going to be close to $5,000 an acre, or his yeah. plant cost, because they're going to grow transplant. They're going to transplant. It's going to be pushing $5,000 an acre. And 10 acres, you can do that math real quick. We're talking serious money. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll see. We'll go see. Well, I'm, a, I'm planning on going just to see what they say. Well, I'm going. Kylie's I'm not going. going. She's going to be off. Yeah, I'm going to be off. <laughs> She's going to she be, by then, she ought to be changing diapers. I, I hope I'm I hope I'm done with this by that point. That's, let's just say that. <laughs> and uh, she'll be changing diapers and figuring all that stuff out and get, get <laughs> not sleeping anymore. This URL will have to tread lightly there doing these podcasts. You know, I think so. You know, sleeping, she may not be. You know. What, what is sleep? I don't know what that is anymore. I haven't been able to do that for quite some time. <laughs> Maybe you're just practicing for when I, I, I guess so, yeah. <laughs>
Anybody got anything else? That's all for me. About it. Well, we're about to wrap things up due to the dry weather. So let's hope we keep another good week and finish up the cotton and the beans. And then we get a little shower and make the ground easier to work and get these cover crops up. We want to remind everybody, listen to our podcast, subscribe to it, follow our follow us on Twitter. Uh, we got a new YouTube video up. Oreo and Kylie went and peanuts harvest the other day and talked and interviewed one of the growers. So uh, it's a good little video. It, it went up today. Leave us some feedback, some comments, some reviews. Let us know how we're doing. Suggestion for a topic, call us, send us an email. We'll, with that, we'll see y'all next week. See you next week. Bye. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local extension office.